and thanks for joining me for the first episode of I Don't Watch Horror. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and rating the podcast, it'll be great to get it more widely received. If you wanted to follow me on Twitter, I'm at watch underscore horror pod. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at horror movies podcast. And if you'll follow me on Instagram at I don't watch horror. Uh, I'll post some pictures and anything you might want to know that we talk about in the podcast. And now on to the show. Hi, welcome to I Don't Watch Horror. And my I'm Kelly Kirkpatrick, and today we will be discussing The Shining. I have with me today my friend Shay. Hello. <laughs> All right, so I just wanted to start by asking a couple questions about horror in general. Okay. Um, how long have you been a fan of horror? Probably ever since I was little. Um, originally when I watched horror movies, they always would scare me and I would have nightmares, but I still enjoyed them. Mind you, my first horror movie that I ever watched was like Chucky, so I got like mortified of dolls after that point. Um, but the older and older I got, the more respect I got for the particular horror genre and less scared of them and was able to kind of just enjoy what they do. Um, I prefer psychological thrillers like The Shining more than pop scares, so that's what I tend to go towards. Okay, that's funny because the the few times I've watched and enjoyed horror movies, I like the pop scare just because, like, I like to watch movies generally just for the, the, the fun aspect of it, and I would get scared... And then just, like, laugh, like, and, like... And that's probably the reason why I don't like the pop scares, because they, they always get me no matter what. I could be... I could watch a movie that I've seen, like, a hundred times, but it's the way that you get into a movie, and even though you know the sound is coming, I'm, I'm a sound person, so it's the sound that startles me. And then, of course, my family will just sit there and start laughing at me. They're like, how many times have you seen this? I'm like, it doesn't matter. The sound gets me every time. Just, like, eyes. Eyes is the other creepy thing. Like, poking eyes and, like... Just when they're closing and they open. Oh. Yep. That, I don't know why. Because the I, I think it's because of the fact that the eyes are the window to your soul. And, like, when they're dead, they're always, like, clouded over. And I'm like, I don't like it. Don't open your eyes. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. So, I was going to ask what your first horror movie was, but obviously it was Chucky. Yep. So, what was the first movie that, like really resonated with you that like made you start being interested in it as the genre hmm that's interesting because it really depends um because although Chucky scared me mind you I was only like five when I watched it so Chucky as well as Stephen King's original it which had uh, Tim Curry in it those were like my first two that I watched and the fact that they always stuck with me being like they scared me and things like that but the older I got mind you like maybe 10 I saw Scream and even though Scream made it so I had like horrible nightmares I really liked the movie I only saw the first half of it (laughs) so (laughs) 
Yeah, that's how much it scared me when I was younger. But um, being able to kind of go back and rewatch it as an adult really showed me this is why it scared me. Not just because of the hack and slash, but because things like this could happen. And then once I actually watched the entire movie, I was like, oh, it's actually a really good film. So it probably still will be, though, the first two movies I ever watched, being It and Chucky. But continuing to love a lot of the remakes of them. Mm -hmm. You can't always catch the same, like, glory as the originals had, but there are some aspects that can potentially surpass. And when was the first time you watched The Shining? I watched it when I was probably pre-teens. Watched it while it was on TV. Mm -hmm. So I didn't fully understand most of it, and I think I actually missed the third act because it was cut up into three different episodes um, on TV and watched it again recently in the past couple years and just re-fell in love with it because from what I watched originally, I remembered, loved it. And then when I actually was able to watch the entire thing at one time, it made me appreciate the entire movie more. And also as an adult, we have the memes. We have all of those things that you can quote and you're like, I may not have seen the movie, but I know it's from that movie. So yeah, I was really excited to watch this one because I have never seen it into my 30s, never seen it. I still can quote like I recognize scenes. I, I, I have been quoting Red Rum since I was in middle school because the kids around me started doing red rum. I'm like, what's red rum? <laughs> um, and then my mom, obviously, who was a Stephen King fan, was just like, well, Kelly, let me explain something. But yeah, like, we've, we've all quoted. It's it's just so prevalent in... Pop culture. In pop cu- like, for example, I, I've since then, like, there's so many iconic scenes, like the bar scene when he walks in. I actually kind of felt that whole setup was mirrored in... Was it Passengers with uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence? I didn't watch that movie, but yeah, no, there's a lot of yeah. references like, to there's, this movie. Like, there, there's a... I've, I've only seen it in clips like, hey, watch your movie, here's a clip from it. But, like, they're they're at a, an empty bar, and there's yep. tables all around, yep. and mirrors in the back, and, and I'm like, hey, um... And, and last night I was watching another horror movie, and the same sort of ending where this tragic hero character comes speeding to where the horror is happening and you know the other ways to escape the cars have been destroyed and some and the hero comes speeding because they figured out what's happening and then they get killed and the the protagonist of the movie then escapes maybe it was coincidence but that seems awfully well the fact fair. that the this movie came out in 1980 and there's not too terribly many from my recollection prior 80s or earlier 1980 oh, okay um so It was made in the 70s, but it came out in 1980, and, like, from my recollection of older movies, I don't know of any that did a lot of what The Shining was able to do. Mm -hmm. And mind you, these are books first, so when it comes to being able to portray from the book to this, a lot of people say, eh. 
but this actually really changed a lot of how film is looked at, especially like when it came to the elevator scene. That is all pre-CG. CG was not a thing, so mm -hmm. all of that was practical effects mm -hmm. to actually portray and be able to fill the room. And following Danny while he's on his little tricycle was not really done prior to this film. So not only how this particular movie was filmed continuously changing the industry, mm -hmm. a lot of the aspects and the horror, like you said, you saw in The Passengers thing, being like, wait, that kind of reminds me of this. And so many other pop culture movies, like Ready Player One, does an entire scene because of this film. And it's resonated a lot throughout many, many movies. You can mm -hmm. always kind of go back and be like, where did they... This is where they got this it's from. It's kind of sort of like when a friend of mine had me watch Casablanca for the first time. And, like, there's so many, like, tropes and things that I would see in movies. And, like, I just thought there were things you did in movies. And then yep. all of a sudden I'm like... Oh, it's from this! The one that started it all. <laughs> like, obviously, there were a few I knew were from Casablanca, but the, we'll always have Paris, I'm like, I had no idea where that came from. Um, and all the gin joints, again, I didn't know where the, I knew Played Again Sam was from Casablanca, then I learned that is not the line, but whatever. <laughs> but it's, it just our collective consciousness have grasped onto these Keystone movies. Unfortunately, sometimes the tropes kind of become a, a gag. Yeah, like, there, there's some aspects like that when watching this movie from when I originally watched it to now. I'm like, why is the boy who's playing Danny and Jack a thousand times, at least personally to me, a thousand times better actors than the mom? Uh, like, mind you, my, my daughter who's watched this is a teenager, and she loved the mom. I'm like, how? She was so... Stupid. Yeah, and not like Shelly Duvall. Like, I was just like, wait, what is happening? But again, a lot of movies were not like this. Mm -hmm. So these characters had to, besides Jack Nichols, and he basically was just playing himself, had to step out of a comfort zone mm -hmm. and really portray themselves in a completely different way. And Danny was so young, you can't imagine him being... I mean, kids either they're, they're going to do it or they're not, and he, he was just so genuine. Oh, but, yeah. But going back to Jack Nicholson just being Jack Nicholson, <laughs> one of the things I noticed is when he was, he was being nice and pleasant, like, I got this, like, creepy, unsettled feeling, because I'm like, this, like, well, one, because we all know Jack Nicholson, like, he he's just kind of an asshole, like, yeah. but, like... This just seemed so insincere, like, ooh, I, like, and the only times I, I felt he was sincere when he was being bad, and then there were a few times where, this is how you can tell he, he actually is a good actor, and not just like, we, hey, we need an asshole, it's like, he was portraying these vulnerable moments, but you could see the discomfort in Jack's character of, you know, because this was done in the 70s like you have to be the strong one you can't have many emotions like he just seems so uncomfortable in these very few vulnerable moments um oh, yeah so kudos to jack for that oh it, it, it's just amazing like 
his absolute range. Because prior to this, Jack Nicholson has been in films or TV shows since the 50s. So he's been in a lot prior to this movie. So it allows you to really see he has a huge range. And this particular movie, I feel, really kind of brought him to that next level and made it so that he was able to shine that much more. Was Over the Cuckoo's Nest before this? I think yes. it was. Yes. Okay. Yeah, 1975. So it really kind of just shows you this movie was able to boost him that much more because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for The Shining... He wouldn't have been in Batman 89. And in my opinion, one of the most amazing portrays of the Joker for its time. Yeah. So it's really amazing to be able to see how one movie can just change it all. And how old he still was, even at that point. Mind yeah. you, he looks young to all of us who see him now. Yeah. But he was already a, a seasoned Yeah, because I, I remember watching Batman as a small child and being like, that's an old man. Oh, yeah. Like, he was balding. He he seemed older than my parents. Obviously, if he was acting in the 50s. My dad was born in 49. Like, he's clearly older than my dad, so. Yeah, because he was born in the 30s. Thir- not, uh, <gasps> 1937. Wow. Wow, way to go check! <laughs> yeah. And the fact that, like, he is still... Acting. Is still acting, or voice acting, which a lot yeah. of people go towards now. But you can always hear his voice, and it's just iconic. And I, I feel the fact that I watch this again it's as an adult. It's sort of affect to it. Yeah. So. Watching it again as an adult, I actually appreciated him as an actor that much more. Because mm. when you watch it as a kid... You don't care for how people are acting. You don't see what's going on. Mm -hmm. You just, you see the film and you see what's going on in the film, but you don't understand all of the other aspects of what is actually Mm -hmm. going on. It's kind of a a win-loss sort of thing. Like, it's, as a child, it's real to you, but then as an adult, you can then appreciate the artistry of it. Yes. Like, for me, when watching it, I feel... The twins were, like, this really ominous, like, creep factor. Mm -hmm. To me, like, the scariest kinds of looks were the woman in the room as well as the woman in the bathroom um, when he sees the reflection of her. And then Jack Frozen. Like, those two were like, whoa. Because not only do you see it and then you're like, that looks so real. And then... Being somebody who, like, does cosplay like you as well, so you understand more of the makeup and the time Mm -hmm. and the practical effects that had to kind of go into that. So not only is it astonishing and you go, ugh, you're able to kind of go back and look at it and go, whoa. (laughs) I can't do that, but that's pretty cool. That's why y'all are specialists. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things that I noticed when they were, like, setting up the like the premise of the movie was they walked you through the hotel and how expansive it was and I honestly felt exhausted just like showing like them walking across this great hall just to get to the staircase to go up to the room and 
you know, how if you were stuck in that setting, just like the idea of running downstairs to get something real quick is not just running downstairs. I really do feel like that helped set up the the ominous feeling in the whole movie, just like them showing the drive out there and I just really like how he set it up. I also picked up that when eerie stuff was happening, not like the violent stuff yet, but like when eerie stuff happens, the colors were okay, when when it was just exhibition between the characters, nothing really paranormal was happening. It was standard colors. Mm-hmm. When it started getting eerie, it changed to some brighter colors like in the bathroom, like you went from these neutrals to this green color, and I yeah. I know oftentimes when when filmmakers want to make you feel unsettled, they'll they'll switch it to like a green. When it started getting violent, you started seeing splashes of red oh, all yeah. around. And I know this movie was groundbreaking, and I'm like, I wonder if this is where all of those color theories of film started coming around. I mean, I guess I'm going to have to start watching some older films and see if they did that, but late 70s is when color film really started coming around, so it was, again, it must, it just must have been groundbreaking to be able to play with the psyche like this, because wasn't um, the birds, psycho... All black and white. Yeah, all black and white. The previous horror films were black and white. Yeah, not only did the fact that they had color they were able to explore with, they still had what they've already done so well in those black and white mm-hmm. films is the sound, which you can just sit there and when watching this movie, it, even if you watch it with your eyes closed, you can tell and just still sense something was getting ready to happen because mm-hmm. of just that screechy, really ominous, like, boom, 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 and you're like, happening that was one thing that i really loved so much about the film too was the ominous Mm -hmm. of not just the color but the sound because when you can sit there and just feel what's getting ready to happen Mm -hmm. through how they're able to sit there and drum the drum the way they do or the way that they use either the violin or any of those other types of instruments that they used Mm -hmm. it was just so ominous and I love it and it's iconic though because a lot of movies will still reference those types of things almost like how a lot of people will hear the Star Wars scream and that particular scream is literally used in films even today Mm -hmm. because it is just an iconic "Ah!" (laughs) of somebody falling into a pit of despair and is constantly used and that's what this film was able to do as well Mm -hmm. was create that sound that you can still hear in films today and even like the pacing of it like it it was a pretty long movie i Um, i was i actually wanted to comment on the pacing of the movie like Movies today, I find sometimes are just, like, rushed. You're not allowed to settle in a moment before you're going on to something new because we need to keep it in this tight time frame. But this, The Shining was, like, two and a half hours. It was was two hours and 26 minutes. And there may have been a few scenes that went on a little longer than necessary, but generally, like, being able to sit in a moment was a nice feeling. I don't want to say that about this this movie because it was 
quite unsettling, but like just being able to, to chew on what you just took in. I just think it leaves time to better understand what's happening. Because a lot of times I'll walk out of movies being like, I feel rushed. Don't think I completely understand and I need to go back and watch it again. Well, it's like I can definitely understand what some of the scenes, like one of Danny's scenes of him and he's just shaking his head because he's stuck in the shining moment and he's able to yeah. to see these things. Okay, did we have to keep going back to the kid like multiple times? No, but it helped sit there and it's like you're watching this scene, like the elevator scene. The elevator doors are opening and he's like, oh, oh, and he's really scared and then here's the blood and he's just, and he's back to being this petrified and did we have to see him do it? No. Did it, though, make you feel so much Unsettled more... Unsettled? Yeah. And, like, Especially because it's a child. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it was... Because if you were to walk in and see a child shaking like that, you'd be like, ah! And it's like, what is happening? Something's going on. I don't know what's going on. Gotta fix it. So, yeah, it's just... And, and of course, we're watching a film. So you can't just be like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You, you can. I'm one of those people that talks to the TV while I'm watching movies sometimes. So you can sit there and say it's okay, but they can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that was a perfect example of exactly that. They had the time to mm-hmm. be able to do that. And the fact, though, that The Shining is one of those movies that does have most of the time and aspects that Stephen King wanted in his film. So it gave you most of it, but still this film could have actually been longer because there was more little tiny things that they're like, all right, we don't need this. We can pick and choose all this out of here. So that's what's really astonishing too is they gave you everything they needed and you don't feel rushed. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you're missing something. But if you read the book, which, okay, mind you, I didn't read the book. I'm going to just flat out say that now. But my mom is a Stephen King lover and has read every single one of his books. So I know there were things that were missing, but she still felt like it was a complete film and a good representation mm-hmm. of his art. Yeah, I've I've often felt a lot of people are very critical of book-to-film adaptations, but I always like to give a little leeway because I'm like you're allowed to wax poetic in a book because your imagination takes it over and that use of your imagination is part of the entertaining part but if you're being spoon fed everything like you you have to cut some things out for clarity of it all because who wants to sit there and be like they sat at the dinner table okay now we're at the dinner table Let's ex- let's show the camera going over all of the... F- I mean, I know that they do it in Harry Potter, but, like, <laughs> let's describe everything. In the- no, like, no, we... It's food. Let's move on. You can have them at the dinner table for, like, two seconds, but this scene of them at the dinner table took five pages to describe. We don't need five minutes no. <laughs> to describe that, so... I feel like the... Like, also, the chemistry, though, of the characters was really well done. I feel like when you're sitting there and you have to portray something that's already been done. So Mm -hmm. it's been written. Now you have to portray what's been written. And in the books, they have a chemistry because it's a husband, a wife, Mm -hmm. a child, and then you have the caretaker who 
helps them out a little bit, but also has the shining. So he's got a connection with the child. So it's really good to see films that actually they still have that mm-hmm. coherent representation because I've been, I've seen films that you're like, those two do not, they're not clicking to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you sit there and test screen these two and think that that, that works? Like, even though, yes, I, I did say that Shelley Duvall, the actress who played the mother, Wendy, was the worst to me actor <laughs> in the film. But mind you, there's... But she was good at being motherly. Yes, she was really good at that. And that's what allowed that good click and chemistry mm-hmm. to happen. Because her and Danny are not real life family. Yeah. But... You sit there and you watch them. You're like, I can believe that. Can you believe that Jack and Shelly, or also Jack and Wendy, were a problematic family? Yes, you can believe that they had problems, and you can still you, you sense, can sense it. her like trying trying to remake a connection with him while still kind of being afraid of him. Exactly. Okay, so now I want to get into. Like, I know probably being isolated wasn't the best thing, but do you really think that place being haunted is what drove him to end up killing his family? Uh, I feel like it was an urge that was already there, because that's that's why they did what they did to do either the flashbacks or talking a little bit about what was going on mm-hmm. with him. He had an alcohol problem, and... Clearly still does. Yeah, he was also already weak-minded and had that easy susceptibility to what the Overlook Hotel mm-hmm. was. It's bad omens in that he had already that almost like that blackening in your heart Mm -hmm. that allowed it to come in. Say if he didn't have his alcoholism or if he didn't already hurt Danny when he was younger, then maybe... Or if he honestly wanted to be a better guy because... Because like I said, like, anytime he was nice and trying to put on a good face, it was so clearly wrong. Mm -hmm. It was not right, so... So, yeah, definitely when it came to Jack, if he wasn't already tainted, the Overlook Hotel wouldn't have got him. Could have, though, the fact that Danny had the Shining and was able to see them and awaken them more Mm -hmm. because it is a child's mind. Yes, the caretaker was able to see them as well, Mm -hmm. but he is older and he's had more time to master or closet his power so that they couldn't suck it and drain it out Mm -hmm. of him. The fact that you have one, a child who doesn't know the abilities that he has and is unable to really kind of grasp or understand them. Then you have the father who has a tainted heart, but then you also have a mother who is trying, but like you said, still has fear. Mm -hmm. So all three of them had just bad juju already going into this haunted and possessed Overlook Hotel and just the combination of all of it. Mm -hmm. But it does. It starts with Jack. If Jack didn't have that bad tendency and the alcoholism and the accidental hurting of Danny, then Wendy wouldn't have been afraid of him. Mm -hmm. And they would have been able to go and, yes... Still some awakenings, but it probably would have been more like just the girls. Be like, Danny, come play with us. And it would have been 
more things like that instead of... Damn, he's got new imaginary friends. Instead of the house being like, hmm, let's go. But let's also, though, talk very quickly, since we're talking about Jack, the last scene. The fact that Jack's picture is on the wall. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that? Or what are you thinking that portrays? I interpreted that as as people who get lost to to the hotel stay in that bar forever. Because, like, the first time he goes into the bar, it's empty. The next time he goes into the bar, his friends are there. Like, I don't know how old that hotel is supposed to be. But it was I, on an ancient burial ground. Yeah, it was on an ancient burial ground. So I do, I do feel that, like, people who get lost to the the bad energy of that hotel or that area are stuck there forever. And that portrait is just all... All the people stuck there. I can definitely see that. Um, How I portrayed that was the original energy of the person prior who was there Mm -hmm. took him over. And that's now Jack is stuck. He is no longer Jack. He is the head caretaker of the facility. And it kind of just replaced his face, but he's been already possessed Mm. by who was the head prior to that. And again, the head prior to that guy, because the ones who were there before him, he's the one who went crazy, killed his family, Mm -hmm. and then there we go. I feel that it was that entity is what goes through, because he was originally possessed Mm -hmm. by bad energy that was trying to get revenge because they built on their sacred grounds. Mm -hmm. So that's the first energy. Then there it goes into that guy. He killed his family, the twins, things like that. Then it goes and it passed on to Jack. And the picture just shows it's always the original guy. It showed us Jack. Mm -hmm. But it's always the original caretaker will be the one who always wins. Yep. Okay. Let's <laughs> yeah, I feel like they only just changed it because we never knew what the original caretaker looked like. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, is it always him? It's like, it is. It's always the caretaker, but not Jack. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. I kind of feel like we discussed this movie... A lot. A lot. (laughs) And the fact that there's still always more to discuss when it comes to this movie, particularly. I have one little, sort of like a a, a seven degree separation from this movie in in a weird roundabout way. I found out about when I was in high school. So, the Overlook Hotel was based on the Stanley Hotel. Yes. The Stanley Brothers, they started an automotive car company, the Stanley Locomotive Automobile, run on steam, and my grandfather and his brother purchased one of those, uh, fixed it up, and it has been in my family ever since, and my grandfather took my grandmother on their first date in the Stanley Automotive, so... Yeah, that's that's my awesome. that's my that's part another reason why I was kind of excited to switch, to see it because I have a I have a family connection to it in a roundabout way. So thank you all for staying and listening to this. And uh, what do they have to look forward to? What's your next film? The next film I am going to be doing is The Loved Ones. I had not watched that. Look at that. See, you're gonna. Sh- have me watch something new now. Yep. Uh, it's it's an Australian film. I actually just watched it last night. 
Perfect. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And keep loving horror movies. Bye.